Straight from the Source is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. Finally, the Wild are in town here. They have two home games this week. Then, believe it or not, after this upcoming three-game road trip, they play 18 of their next 22 games at home. Game Time is the place to go look for those tickets. The Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Thanks, everybody, for joining Straight from the Source with Michael Russo. Uh, if you want to subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash straight from the source. Uh, if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, if you're listening on the app, thanks for subscribing. Uh, really, really happy to be joined by one of my favorite people that have ever played for the Wild. Uh, the only goaltender in NHL history to win his first three games in relief, which is just absolutely you would think it would be impossible to do. Also, probably the... I would rank him in the top two in terms of laughs in wild history behind maybe Andrew Burnett. <laughs> uh, Nicholas Backstrom, uh, thanks for joining. Um, and just uh, the, the one thing, Nicholas, uh, just so everybody knows, Nicholas is in town for the Miko Koivu 1,000 Games uh, celebration. Uh, we, are, we are recording this on a Monday. Uh, it'll come out on Wednesday because we don't want to blow the surprise that Nicholas is in town. Um, you know, first of all, welcome back. I know you come here a lot even since your wild career ended, right? Yeah, first, uh, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's nice to see you and talk to you again. But yeah, uh, me and my family have lived here for 10 years, so it's it still feels like home for us. And uh, both our kids, uh, my son was born here, and uh, well, my daughter was born in Finland, but this is their first home. So we still have a lot of friends here, and we want to keep our roots here and uh, enjoy it. Uh, no, it's the uh, first time we've been back here in the winter. Usually it's in the <laughs> spring or in the summer with, uh, with the great weather. But it's, you know, we like the winter too and uh, we like the snow. So it's, it's fun. And Nicholas, right now you're a scout with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, just fresh off the ice though. Just retired from professional hockey last year. And you're 43? 40, no, <laughs> 41. 41, sorry. <laughs> so, you, so you retired at age 40 though, right? Uh, actually, I, I was 41 when I retired, okay. so I still played last season in, in Finland. But, uh, you know, it's it's a big change. Yeah. Uh, you know, hockey has been my life. Playing hockey has been my whole life. And uh, still really fortunate to be part of hockey, be part of NHL hockey. For sure, it's a, it's a lot of things I have to learn to improve and get better. But it's fun to get back to things. And uh, I think for me... After retiring, it was really important to have something to do and mm-hmm. get back to it right away. So do you have a relation with Jarmo Kekalainen, the GM of the Blue Jackets? How did it all come about that you went to work for the Blue Jackets? Uh, Jarmo was my pretty much my first GM back in Finland in 1997. Wow. <laughs> so, so, yeah. so I was young. Uh, what was I, 18, 19 back then. So I signed my second pro cr- contract with him. And... Uh, uh, Jarmo is a really big person in, in the Finnish hockey and uh, most yeah. of the people there knows him or met him and talked to him and 
uh, for me it was fun, pretty funny, like two hours after my last game, uh, when our season ended after the bronze medal game, uh, I got a text from him and uh, he asked if I would be willing to uh, to continue my hockey career and on on the other side. Wow. So do you now do you scout all of pro hockey like Europeans or you focus mostly on goalies? Like how do, how does it work? Uh, pretty much goalies. Uh, I'm like uh, uh, I could say like uh, pretty much everything with goalies. We, I'm a, like a player development for goalies. We have a promising goalie playing in Finland, so that's my, that's my main focus to work with him and uh, hope work with him so he will be one day be ready to to come over here and play in NHL and then then I also uh, scout some amateur goalies and pro goalies mm -hmm. mostly in, in in Europe though but it's it's all the three things so it's uh, it's been really fun really exciting but it's some so different so it's <laughs> been like it's fun to learn new things and it's fun to realize that you have to learn a lot yeah and you um do you still own a piece of IFK yeah, I'm still still part of that, but uh, see what the future holds with that. But uh, as of now, yeah, right. The uh, the the one thing about you that that I think that a lot of people don't remember is that you, I believe, on June first, '06, would have been the first like the NHL added European free agency, and you, I think, were the first European free agent that the league signed under the new rules. That and it was a Minnesota Wild, and I remember at the time, it was just a little note. That we, I remember just writing the wild sign, Nicholas Baxter in a free agent contract. You come to camp, and all of a sudden, I believe Josh Harding strained his groin. We were in St. Louis, and next thing you know, you're you make the team. And as I said, your first three games uh, with the wild, you come in in relief. You had one start in between, but your first three wins were in relief. Do you, when you signed with the wild, I mean, was, was the NHL sort of off your radar, or did you think? Like, you know, one day this is still my dream to play in the league and then to become the winningest goalie in wild history. It's got to be absolutely an unreal thing. I think every player at some point you dream about it, uh, NHL. Uh, I still, for sure, I dreamt about it. And uh, I was 28 when I got over. Uh, a couple of years before that, there was the lockout year. And the year after, there was, like, close things with a couple of NHL teams, but nothing really turned out of that. And then uh, I think it was, yeah, after the... Olympic year in, in Turin, mm -hmm. so I think Minnesota got interested and then suddenly out of new nowhere uh, I got a chance to come over and uh, I wasn't really thinking about it. I, uh, I was fortunate to play for a really one of the best European teams uh, with really good players, uh, City, and uh, I, I had everything really good there. But That was Olu? Uh, yeah, Olu, yeah. Okay. So I went to, that's where Grand, Grand Lund is home from that time. Right. So yeah. But that's, uh, for me it was like, uh, this is like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Mm -hmm. I was think, looking at it, I have to give it a try now, then I know if I can make it. Because the lockout year, you play against NHL players in Europe, you play against NHL goalies, and you see that there could be a chance you could you could make it over here. And, uh, you know, I think for me, everything worked perfect. I got to the right, right organization. Uh, and, uh, you know, you never know. Uh, you never know what's going to happen. But for me, it was always, you know, Everything's really good back home. If I have to go back, then I go back. But this is my dream, and uh, make everything as well as you can, so you don't have to regret anything. And uh, with a lot of Minnesota players, I think I was fortunate to have uh, Jack Lemire as my coach. Mm -hmm. You know, it was uh, unreal how fast he learned about the NHL hockey, and then 
get with Bob Mason. <laughs> you know, that's where we started a great rela- relationship and uh, just a great human being and a coach. Did you? So did you come to that camp pretty much expecting that you were going to be in Houston? Well, I was on a two-way deal. Uh, uh, I didn't come here to go to the minors, but I knew, mm-hmm. you know, I, on the business side, I'm a European, I'm coming here. I haven't played a single game in North America. I only visited North America once. Actually, that was a, a vacation trip in New York when I signed a contract with <laughs> with Minnesota. So it's pretty <laughs> funny. But but yeah, so I came here like I'm going to give everything I have. Not doesn't matter what they ask. Ask the team if they want me to go to Traverse City for the rookie tournament. They didn't. I don't know if I was too old for that. <laughs> Twenty eight. Yeah, but I was like, uh, whatever it takes. This is my chance, and I'm going to use it as well as I can and uh, coming to the camp it's still now we're still joking with, with Tony and the trainer Tony and Ricky other trainer Ricky probably second day of camp he comes six, sit next to me in the locker room and uh, what's going on now yeah, so so when you come down to Houston what number do you want to play with there <laughs> so uh, we've been joking about it and Ricky actually gave me the Houston Arrows uh, Jersey when I left Minnesota. So, <laughs> that's but it's, awesome. But everything turned out really well for me, and I think it's something you 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 have to try to make make the best of your opportunities. I think yeah. I was ready for the camp, and everything went really well in the camp. Yeah, I remember at the beginning of that camp. I mean, none of us really knew anything about you, and Jock didn't know anything about you. And next thing you know, you're making the team behind his nephew. Uh, Manny Fernandez, and um, and then wind up your first year. I mean, what a dream year! You wind up in Ottawa, accepting the the Jennings Trophy. You had the lowest goals against the, the you and um, and Fernandez had combined the lowest goals against in the league. But if I remember correctly, you actually specifically led the league in goals against average and save percentage that year. And here you are. Uh, you know, what is it? Thirteen years later, and still have the most victories in Wild history. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. It's. Uh... I look back at it, you know, sometimes you're mad. It happened when I'm 28. I would have <laughs> to get over when I'm 18. I could, yeah. could I enjoy it. And, you know, it's it's such, such a great time. But I think for me, everything that happened before that, you feel like, I don't know, I want to say there's a reason, but there's mm-hmm. a path. And uh, I don't think I would have got here without that. And I think I was really ready ready when I got here. And that helps a lot. And it's it's a big big change for a goal is to come to North America. Absolutely. Your last NHL game uh, ever was at XL Energy Center. Am I right? That's correct. Yep. First star. Yep. Yep. Um, unbelievable game. Gave up, I think, one goal. That's um, about a goal. Uh, I just left. Uh, I was in training camp in, in Columbus and Zach Dolph, he's there with uh, Cleveland now. Uh-huh. He scored a bad backhand shot my five hole I think I'm really laughing about it it was his first goal and last goal I let in him but that's how it goes yeah but I mean you know I remember you came a couple of weeks before and got an you know I thought a really emotional tribute um, I could tell that you were you were touched by it uh, which the wild always do that in first class but then to get sort of redemption a couple of weeks later and come in for your last NHL game I mean, you know if, if your career has to end it probably ended in the perfect building in the perfect way right yeah, I think it's yeah. It was a telling, and like uh, I don't think he, for sure you would like to win the cup and walk away. That would be perfect, but it wasn't possible. And I think for me, it was great to play in the rink where everything started and played most of my NHL career. Like uh, had the best years of uh, of my playing career. So it, it was great to play the the game before that. The first game, like you said, it was really mono- emotional. It was. F- 
really hard for me to handle a lot of emotions and uh, you know it's it's a big change but then for the second one I felt more ready because you went through it once and you pretty much knew what to expect and uh, actually it was uh, I think uh, one of the best games I, I played in this league but you know it's it, it's great memories it's uh, something really great to look back and uh, I was happy to have my whole family here with the parents watching the game too and uh, that it went that well. Yeah. Talk about your style. I mean, you know, I, t- I tell people all the time you're the most unflappable goalie I've ever covered. Quiet, like when you were on your game, quiet in net, um, you know, angles perfect. Um, you know, you didn't have to make an incredible sprawling save because you're always in the perfect position. Where, where did you sort of fine tune your style of, of that type of goaltender? I think. Uh, Maybe, maybe I'm probably not the most athletic goalie, so I have mm-hmm. to find ways to get in in the way of the parks. And for sure, I had a great goaltender like coaches, long time in Finland, uh, Bob Mason here. So that's something you worked on every day. But uh, that's how how I felt the game. Like like you said, I feel that I did something wrong if I had to try to make a big say stretch out or do something. But if I could be in the right position, the box is going to hit you in the chest and. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, there's not going to be a rebound, or it's not going to go through you. Yeah, I remember. It's funny you had you had teams that you just kill. I, I remember there was a time where you just never lost to the Coyotes. Um, remember you at home against the Oilers were unbeatable, but you didn't like playing in Edmonton, if I remember correctly, right? Um, who who would you say were the, the the one thing? I had a friend of mine that reminded me of this when I told him I was going to talk to you. He said the one thing that he used to love watching is your battles with Ryan Smith in front of the net. Uh, that you know, he he said he and his dad used to always wait for you to just at some point two hand Ryan Smith across the, the 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 back of the legs. Who are the guys that you just hated going up against? I don't know if uh, there's challenge, different challenges. Like uh, like you said, it's weird how it goes. Like you got those team. Then for some reason in Colorado, I like to play there even yeah. with the altitude. But it's uh, Ryan Smith was for sure one of the toughest. Like he he's doing his job really good. He's close to the crease. He's bumping you all the time. And that's what made him a special player. Uh, played a great, great NHL career and a great player. And uh, then I look back uh, as a guy who, I don't know if he always scored on me, but Jeff Gardner, he scored like four or five games in a row on me. And I don't know what this happened. It's probably for goalies, you like to play against some players, some teams. And then for some players, it's that way. They yeah. just enjoyed to play against some goalies. You were always a detailed guy, too. I remember Bob Mason used to always say that every single goal you gave up in practice, you knew, right? And yeah. Why is that? I don't know. I think that's the way I learned uh, during the year to or years to get the best out of me. And uh, like I said, I wasn't probably the fastest one, not the most athletic. And for me, it was always the details. And practice was really important for me to, to get the right habits, do the right things, and... Uh, uh, you know, it's still, uh, I don't want to curse her, but it makes you mad to lay in a goal. And uh, <laughs> I like those battles in the in the practice too. And I think that helps you in the game. 
Um, we, I want to just uh, do a quick uh, uh, sponsor by DoorDash, and I want to do an ad for that. But when we come back, I want to talk to you about uh, what I dubbed the Turtle Walk, which I don't know if you ever loved that name. I want to talk to you a little bit about what, what makes Finnish goalies so good. Uh, Capo Kakinen, who I know you know a little bit. I think you live near his step his uh, parents um, as well. And uh, I also want to talk to you about Derek Bugard, because you guys had stalls right next to each other in the home locker room. I, it's still one of my favorite things is listening to him make fun of you because you were a hard rock lover. I want to talk to you about that. But here's a word from DoorDash. Long day at work, tough day at school, still stuck in the office? Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. I am not kidding you. I came back from the road yesterday. We've been on the road 20 of the first 30 games. I look in my fridge. I have absolutely nothing. So what do I do? I go right to DoorDash. I buy some Naf Naf Grill, have a little chicken swarm and salad and it was absolutely awesome delivered to my door in a half hour right now our listeners can get five dollars off their first order of fifteen dollars or more when you download the doordash app and enter promo code source that's five dollars off your first order when you download the doordash app from the app store and enter the promo code source don't forget that's promo code source for five dollars off your first order from doordash Back here with Nicholas Backstrom uh, here on Straight from the Source, and thanks for joining in town for the Miko Koivu um, Thousand Game Ceremony. And I do want to talk to you about uh, Miko a lot too. Um, but your turtle walk—that uh, was one thing. Uh, br- uh, Tony DeCosta, your buddy, the equipment trainer for the Wild forever, he used to actually say that was your power walk. Um, where did the? I don't know if fans know about it. If hopefully they've seen it, it was one of those <laughs> things where we we used to see you do it. I used to joke on Twitter that it was very important that we don't look you in the eyes. And I have to admit one time to you, we were in Denver. You were doing it around the Pepsi Center. I turned the quarter, and I looked you straight in the eyes, and I was so nervous about it. And I think you gave up seven that night. (laughs) (laughs) So now now we know the reason for that. eh? (laughs) No, uh, I think it started back home. uh, In Europe, a lot of players before the game day, the rinks are different there, so you can go outside for a run. Uh I used to go there and... uh, you know, for me, it was more just, uh, you know, there can be quiet places in the locker room too, but usually it's pretty busy busy before the games. And uh, and uh, I felt I needed my, my quiet time or time for myself to focus on the game and prepare myself for the game. And I, I think I, for sure, I could have probably done it in, in the locker room, but uh, I felt it better for me to get away from that and just be by myself and get ready for the game and uh, usually I like to do it for probably 15 minutes 20 minutes so I, I don't want to run too fast to <laughs> make me all tired before the game so uh, yeah it probably looked a little funny it wasn't really walking or running it was something in between but it's it was part of my uh, routines to get ready for the yeah, game. yeah I remember when I did a story on it for the first time I was actually scared to even ask you about it. But the one thing I do remember is when I was working at the Star Tribune at the time, they're like, hey, can we take a picture of this? And I said, no way. I said, I do not want to. All of a sudden, we have, like, you know, Carlos Gonzalez, who was our star photographer at the time, like hiding in a <laughs> behind a pillar, taking pictures of you and you getting ticked off before a start. I didn't know it looked that scary. <laughs> so I have to <laughs> probably apologize to a lot of people. It was just, it was, if, if you never saw about it or didn't know it, it was one of those where you did a walk that was just sort of like in slow motion um and uh, that's probably the best way to describe it it was just kind of a slow motion walk pretty much yeah. yeah yeah um do you still miss do you miss doing it i mean or do you still do it at home like so you i still off? miss it for sure yeah. you you miss the feeling to get ready for the games yeah. uh, you know not the nurse but prepare and uh you, you know fight for the win and uh, enjoy 
enjoying the wins or try to be, get better after you you have a loss and uh, you're always going to miss that uh, you know with Bruno Brunette we talked a lot about it when he retired what he misses and uh, what he is like uh, experiment like what he feels that I should do or what I should think about and it's just about you know he said you're not going to have the same feeling for sure you're going to be part of hockey but it's mm-hmm. different when you when you don't play I did a story on Miko's thousandth uh, last week and Bruno was one of the people I talked to. I know he's very upset that he obviously he's coaching the Florida Panthers now couldn't make it in town for this but Nicholas Backstrom uh, will be on the ice on Tuesday uh, you'll know this by the time this podcast is out um, as well as uh, Nick Schultz Marion Gabrick and Kyle Brodziak Brian Ralston was coming and uh, just it was a last minute cancellation because uh, uh, of a of an issue that he, uh, or something that came up in his life. Um, there's going to be a lot of people there from Stefan Veyu to Keith Ballard to Thomas Vanek, I believe. Um, Miko, he, my first day covering the team was his first day in the locker room, so I, I know him really well. Um, you know him better than anybody. Really good friends. Um, what made him? What makes him so special as a player even today? The will, the willpower of him and, you know, the heart. Uh, but for him, uh, his attitude about the hockey, I think uh, uh, play at the level he's playing for sure, you have to be really talented. But but his talent, like the big, biggest talent he has is he's ready to outwork everyone. He's ready to prepare himself and, and, and the attitude he has every night. He's not taking days off and... Uh, you know, he's he's had some injuries, but he always comes back stronger. And uh, uh, you know, uh, you look at the style he plays. He's an all-around player. Mm-hmm. He can play power play, PK. He, you put him out on the ice when you try to when you're down a goal or when you're up on a goal late in the game. So he's he's a perfect player. We're, we're talking again with Nicholas Backstrom, winning a goalie in wild history. Um, Miko just became the fifth uh, Finn in history to get 700th point. His uh, brother Saku is number three. Um, how, how, you know, some of his proudest moments winning the world championships, playing for the Olympics, were all wearing Finland jerseys. How, how proud do you think of he, he that he is of that fact that that he's in that upper echelon of all-time Finns in terms of uh, in terms of scoring for a guy that you and I both know could have had a lot more points in this league if he uh, maybe didn't you know decided that he wanted to cheat offensively. Yeah, you got that right. That's for sure. He he would have scored a lot of more points, but it's never about himself. And I I think the same way. I think I know he's really proud of the like like you said how high ranked he's in. in in the Finnish players, but I think he's he's looking at that. It's more about for him, like he's been part of really good teams and leading the national teams to to finals in the World Championship, uh, winning the World Championship. But I think for him too, like uh, he was young when uh, his brother Saku was a superstar rock star in Finland, winning the World Championship '95. So I think for him, it's been big too to you know, get that too, mm-hmm. and uh, making his own career and uh, make sure that it's it's Mikko and uh, not just about Saku. Uh, Nicholas is currently essentially hiding out for these last these next two days to not blow the surprise that he flew here from Finland. Uh, same thing, Gabrick's flying in from Vienna. Um, Brodziak's flying in from Edmonton. Nick Schultz is flying in on Tuesday from, from Philadelphia. Everybody's hiding from Mikko. Um, he's not going to get to play in this game, unfortunately. Um, you know Miko as much as anybody. When I w- witnessed him leaving that arena in Tampa, when they were told him he was flying home, he was freaking incensed. He was pissed off. Um, how 
how much do you think this is going to really just crater him tomorrow that 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 his family is flying over here for this big event and then he's going to have to be in a suit during it i think for sure like you said it's not easy it's going to be really hard for him and uh for sure it's not going to take anything away it's thousand great games and it's a huge achievement but that's just the way he is he he would really like to be on the ice every day and uh, especially now with the team playing better so he's he would be there to help them and uh uh, you know that's every player, but especially him. It's uh, uh, he's not fun to be around. Well, that's probably a little harsh, but not fun to be around when he's hurt. Uh, it's uh, like he wants to be out there so bad, and uh, he's going to do everything he can every day and uh, to be ready. But I can for sure see that, understand that it's it's it wasn't easy for him. All players hate to lose. Um, you used to seethe when you lost. I remember you were just so pissed off, Miko. Have you ever seen somebody that is more miserable to be around after a loss and somebody that, at least as a beat writer, you had to just scared to death to even talk to? Yeah, I can see there could be some challenges for you guys after <laughs> a, a game that uh, he lost. But yeah, it's it's part of part of the business, part of uh, being a pro athlete. I don't think you can or you can't be a, a great athlete with enjoying losing you have to really hate it and that's what motivates you and that's what pushes you to even harder and to work harder and you could see with Mikko that after after a game if Minnesota lost the next practice he's going to be even more focused more determined and uh, to make sure it's not going to happen again and uh, that's what drives him and that's uh, what what's been like pushing him uh, even to get better do you do you think he has softened up since he had kids because that's the one thing I do notice is that he, or maybe it's also that his career is winding down, you know, that, that he just seems to be loving life more, enjoying things more, not nearly as uptight uh, in the locker room, uh, even with the beat writers, likes to shoot the shit a little more than he did. I think he probably feels more comfortable with everything. Uh, you get more experience. Uh, it's probably of everyone we grow up for sure. Having family with kids, it changes you, and you start to see the life in a in a different way. And uh, but even with him, like uh, a lot of people, doesn't see him when he's in the locker room with the, just the guys. And it, it's it's not just serious. It's uh, it's a lot of joke. He's a really fun guy to be around, and there's a lot of smiles and uh, chirp and chirps and uh, jokes and uh, and but, uh, for sure it's. It's probably part of him growing up, everyone like, and he realized more the NHL life that you have to really value it, enjoy it. It's It goes fast, even if he's been here now, what is it, 15 years almost. Mm-hmm. So it goes it goes fast and you, you, you sort of have to, uh, you have to enjoy every day. And uh, I think for him too, a lot of his friends who he played with for a long time has retired and even for me, a lot of friends when they retired and ask what's what's the advice you would give and enjoy enjoy every day. It's going to go past really quickly. Like you're going to have ups and down, but it's going to be wins and losses. But you you have to find a way yeah. to enjoy. Uh, we're talking with Nicholas Backstrom, a uh, Wild goaltender in town for Miko's uh, thousandth game, and uh, Wild continue this homestand. They play the Edmonton Oilers on Thursday and the Chuck Fletcher's Philadelphia Flyers on uh, Saturday. And uh, by the way, if you haven't, don't subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash straight from the source. 
articles uh, galore, uh, also podcasts, The Oil Can with Alan Mitchell, Jonathan Willis, and Daniel Nugent uh, Bowman is The Oil's uh, big podcast, and The Wild play them on Thursday, so uh, listen to that one as well. Um, one great story you told uh, in, in my Thousand Games story on Miko is him at your wedding. Um and how you you basically played a little practical joke on him, but it turned out it it almost backfired because he touched everybody in your wedding party with a incredible speech. You, you want to tell that story? Yeah, I don't know if it backfired, but it, it's <laughs> well, you were trying to basically yeah, surprise, you know. really, you know, he's always been joking about everyone there and chirping. So uh, there's me and a couple of like trying to get him back, and we had a wedding, and I'm not much of a guy who loves to have speeches and. Uh, so we had a friend of ours who was talking there and uh, arranging everything, and uh, we told her to tell that next next number is Mikko Koi is going to have a speech, and uh, he didn't know anything about it. No one told him before, and just saw him finish his beer, stand, stood up, and probably he had a speech about 10 minutes, but probably one of the best I ever heard. And, you know, my mom is crying there, and uh, it, it was really really awesome and uh, i think that just tells uh tells about the great person he is and uh, the speech wasn't really about it touched it for sure hockey but it was more about uh, my family and life and uh, and friendship and uh, it, it was really great yeah he's he's uh you know that's the one thing that i don't think a lot of people that you know wild fans that just see the fiery miko on the ice they don't know that the, one the sense of humor that he has too um, but and the dry, sometimes scary sense of humor. Even in Tampa the other day, I'm just shooting the breeze with Alex Daylock as he's on the bike, and all of a sudden Miko just pops out. He's working out with the strength coach, and just you know, uh, do you want a little privacy? A uh, little, uh, you know, basically like like trying to get me to disappear, but in a funny way. Yeah. But uh, but he's got a big heart. He's right? he got a great heart, and he cares about everyone. It doesn't matter who you are. You look at the. Look at the team here. Every year, there's younger young players coming in, and he takes such a good care of them. And all the young players, they like to be around him, and he tries to help them. And uh, you know, it's uh, it's hard to find the words to describe him. You know, I don't want to talk him too much up, so he's going to be cocky here. But no, but it's it's unreal how much it, it doesn't matter. Like every trainer, every doctor, everyone, he really cares about them, and. Uh, uh, He's a great player, but even a better person. Yeah. Uh, 207 uh, teammates that he's played with on the Minnesota Wild, which is pretty amazing as well. Um, Nicholas, a uh, couple more things I wanted to ask you about. Um, you know, I mentioned that Miko was uh, top five amongst all-time Finns. If you had to maybe give your top Finns that have ever played, um, who would be on your all-time list uh, in terms of uh, maybe defensemen, three forwards, and a goalie? Oh, Put you on the spot. Oh, you're putting me on you. the spot. It's, it's tough. But I know Timo would be on there. Yeah, you, yeah, for sure you have to. I'd never play with Yari Kurri, so I can probably leave him out. But, you know, play with Saku and Mikko, but Mikko for sure. I would uh-huh. have Mikko as a, as a center. And then uh, either winner, probably Jare Lehtinen would be there. Uh-huh. The, the, you know, there's a lot of good days, but uh, fortunate to be in the Olympics with uh, Teppo Nummin yeah. and, and Kimmo Timonen would probably yeah. be. So I think that would be... Great persons, a uh, lot of fun times, but uh, like really great players. Who's your goalie? <laughs> Can I put myself? <laughs> no, I, I uh, you know, I probably, I would like to put Pekka Rinne there. Uh-huh. 
But always when we play together, together so he was my backup. So I want to <laughs> go there. <laughs> I'm a power put keeper. You yeah. know what he means to all the uh, Finnish goalies. He opened the door for everyone, and uh, every NHL goalie or from, who's coming from Finland should should write him a thank note and make sure he, yeah. they realize how how much he did for us. Do you uh, do you ever see Mika Kiprasov? Because a lot of people say he sort of dropped dropped off the face of the earth. I think I've seen him a couple of times, but uh-huh. that's you know he he's enjoying his life, hunting, fishing, and being on the countryside and. Uh, you know, he's enjoying life. Yeah, yeah. Mikko was one goalie that you couldn't talk to before a game. Nicholas was always somebody that we could talk to. Um, so I, I, we always appreciated that. Um, you're, why do you think that, that Finnish goalies have such a, that are so special? I mean, what is it? What's in the in the water over in uh, over in uh, in Finland that allows you guys to just develop into just stud goalies? Because I asked this question the other day because the United States really hasn't done a great job developing goalies. Minnesota, I mean, Alex Stalock has a hundred starts. That's I think third most all time amongst Minnesotans. It's crazy. Yeah, what is Bob Mason? He, he's yeah. up there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he'd be up there. Yeah, but I, a lot of people ask. It, it's hard to say. I think uh, there's a lot of things in, in Finland. We got a really good uh, goaltending uh, coach system. Like I had a goalie coach in my team since I was seven years old. So I pretty much had a goalie coach every year. So that helps. You have goalie practices. That's just goalie drills, uh, working on your technical side, and then. Uh, in Europe, especially the national teams, they're huge. So for Finnish national team, it's still nowadays they need really good goaltending to have success. But still, you go back 10, 20, 25 years for Finland to to win games. They needed the goalie to be really good. So I think everyone really respected the goalies in Finland, appreciated. So I think it stems from that too. Like it's not. That you just threw someone in the net. You you had to put in a net a guy who can help you to win, and uh, uh, it's hard to put like one thing what is, but it's all these things, and it's still like goaltending system for the coaches in Finland. Something you can't just stay still now because the game is changing. You have to improve the, how the goalies play, and that's something you have to always make sure that by coming Finland, that's still ten years from now we can talk about. Yeah, especially in today's day and age with technology. I mean, these shooters have all the advantage. They're 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 uh, really stripping down the the size of also NHL goalies and things like that. So you've got to stay on top of it. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, you have to be ready, and uh, you never know what's going to be the team for the next year. But you, like you said, uh, shooters they're looking what the goalies are doing, and now it's the other way around too. The the goalies have to. Respect what the shooters are doing, what they're trying, but on the other hand, too, like you got smaller equipment now, so it's going to change the way the, a lot of goalies play the game. And uh, but that's a challenge, and uh, it's always good with challenges. Capo uh, Kakin and it might be the newest uh, era of, of Finnish goalie. We might see him for hopefully for a long time here in Minnesota. Uh, two wins, two starts so far to start his NHL uh, career, and uh, that's heading into the Anaheim game. I'm not positive who's starting that game. We'll know on Wednesday if he was in net. Um, you know him a little bit, right? I, I know. I know you probably don't know his game much, but you know his family. A little bit, yeah. It's uh, actually a funny. I, I tweeted about this, by the way, and yeah. somebody said you're making you're making Finland sound like it's the size of like like St. Louis Park or something. Well, there's five million people, so that's uh, <laughs> in Finland. But yeah, it's uh, it lives a block from us, like in a suburb, and uh, his parents' house is there. And actually, the first first time he got called up this year, I was uh, 
I don't know if I was running actually outside, really running, not, <laughs> not the normal one. So a little pace and uh, there was a dr- car driving by me and stopped an open window and it was his dad telling that he, he got called up. That's awesome. So it's uh, it was a funny coincidence and uh, I just, you know, it, it's great. And uh, uh, he played great in Finland and it's great that he's getting the chance here. And uh, like you said, I hope uh, all the Finnish goalies are going to have success and we need... Uh, you know, Finland needs young goalies to come here and uh, establish themselves in the league. You look at Tukarask and Pekarina, they're, they're getting up there. So mm-hmm. so you need uh, new blood too. Yeah, and he is. He seems like a fabulous kid. His English is unbelievable. Um, it, I mean, English is, is just, that's a prerequisite in school for you guys over there? Yeah, you start, uh, well, so many years ago since I went to school. But <laughs> I think it's uh, third or fourth grade you start to have English in school. And, uh, you know, Finland is a small country. If you if you want to have success with other countries doing business or whatever you, language, it's it's really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and his is unreal. Um, one who uh, we'll talk after the after the break on the uh, athletic version of the, 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 the exclusive part of the podcast, I want to talk to you about Derek Bugard. And um, a couple other things as well. Um, last one on this one, this part of the show. Uh, Patrick Kane's shootout goal against you should it have counted. Which one? The one I stopped or the one I scored? <laughs> the one where he walked in about a uh, mile an hour, know. like you were, uh, like your turtle walk. And then uh, I don't know. It was, <laughs> it was a great move actually. I think uh, been to some hockey schools after that back home in Finland, and then they tell the kids to ask a question, and that's probably every second question is about that move. But great player, great move, and. You know, I think, sure, I would have liked, loved to say that it shouldn't count and we, we could have win the game, but it's, I think it's good for hockey to have the skilled players to, to you know, sell the game and, uh, you know, great hands. Yeah. Well, thanks, Nicholas. Uh, this is the end of the Apple and Spotify version. Uh, please rate and subscribe straight from the source on Apple. If you click on the show URL, which is theathletic.com slash straight from the source, you'll get 40% off your subscription. And when you subscribe to The Athletic, you'll get to hear the extended version of the Straight from the Source exclusively at The Athletic uh, website and app. I'm Michael Russo. Thanks for listening.